Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome Peter Bart, film composer, to Headliner Radio today. How are you, Peter? I'm fine. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. And you're just telling me life's gradually coming back to Brussels, where you're based in your studio, and even cinemas are. Yeah, cinemas are gonna like cinemas are gonna open on uh, June the ninth, so that's uh, something to look forward to. Mm. Uh, to be honest, I haven't heard much about coronavirus in Belgium, which is probably a good thing that you've not been in the news about that. Well, we much, had a. We had a, a, a serious second wave, and then the third wave um, was also Martin, but it became difficult for a lot of people to stay indoors. There were some some big, they called it La Boom, and they had like uh, mm. massive gatherings here in, in the park in Brussels. And then the police came in with the water cannons and everything. <laughs> so it was, uh, people, people are really on the limit. So I hope the the vaccine work and and we can go back to not not back to the life before because I think the life before we before we were uh, a bit too much occupied all with work and focused on on the rat race. I think people are now in a sort of new reality, and I hope we can sustain some of the things that we learned in this in this lockdown. Oh, God, yeah, I completely agree. There's definitely positives that I hope will carry through, just like people going for more walks and <laughs> yeah. not being in an office <laughs> with terrible posture all day, every day. And, yeah, I'm hoping – I hope you're right. I'm hoping there'll be some nice changes, I guess, to society, which sounds like something you're hoping as well. Yeah, but you um, you, you hear good signs. I, I, yesterday I spoke to someone and they 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 recreating a big firm here in Belgium and they – recreating their office space and they're calculating only space for 60% of the persons who work there. So 40% will mm. work at home. Yeah, no, which is great. Um, yeah, would you mind just uh, letting the people know who you are and a bit about how you got into music when you were younger and how it all led to working on the films? would be amazing. Well, uh, um, it for me it all started when i was very very young because i grew up in a in a family that was surrounded with music my dad was a, a principal at a music school and he was an organist in the town where we lived in, in mm. knokke that's by the sea in belgium and my sisters uh, they were all doing uh, cello and and violin and uh, one soprano so, so there was always music in the house, always classical music. Uh, my father had uh, a couple of choirs, and we did these travels around Europe with these choirs uh, to Poland and and Hungary uh, in the eighties. So when it was really like still um, East Eastern Europe, and um, I grew up in that in that environment, um, of course. My father was a bit strict and, and there was like no pop music allowed. So if I wanted to listen to pop music, I had to do that like uh, in a clandestine way. Um, and then when growing up, I because I, I did um, battery and percussion in music school. And uh, so that was my, my main instrument. But then going to to college, I kind of... I had a lot of arguments with my dad and I, I kind of chose a different uh, direction and I went to uh, film school. I went studied there uh, sound and editing and I went in the whole way into electronic music. Uh, I made a couple of uh, electronic music records. I uh, I, I played concerts uh, on Paco Pop and in the Ancien Belgique here in Brussels. And, uh, but that was my kind of 
teenage protest, I guess, um, against my dad. Mm. Then later in life, of course, you you get you get older and and a bit wiser. Let's hope. And I uh, I rediscovered the um, the classical interest in me um, because I never I never lost that. Even when I went into electronic music, I I, I looked at Messiana, Ligeti, and and Penderecki just to listen to music that wasn't my dad's music. Um, but then. Later in life, actually, when when my mom died in two thousand and eight, that was a big event for me, and um, I suddenly realized how stupid I was to to not explore that classical side. So um, I talked with my dad about that, and he, he was very supportive. And then I did some some uh, how you call it transformation courses in in at Concord Institute in in London to help me find that way and finally started studying um, of course at that time I had a, a a sound studio here in Brussels and we were doing a lot of uh, commercial work so I started studying uh, outside the hours uh, Berkeley online doing some um, orchestration courses or some composition courses contrapunt um i attended all the um possible uh, master classes in europe ar- around composition and film music and i started doing uh, these films uh, traumland uh, the figurant little independent films with not a lot of money and the music is almost done for free but that was also part of my of my film school because you can have the aspiration of of do film music, but if you never done it, you have to do it. You know, you have to see how you tell a story, and and that really was a big catalyzer for me because the f- I remember the first film that I did. I was really strongly emotional for me because for me it was the feeling. This is this is what I have to do for like the rest of my life. This is this is my path. Mm. Um, so I kept on doing that, and then I did facades uh, with with uh, uh, Natalie Bastens and Kaat Beers, uh, a couple uh, directors here in Belgium. And of course, I still had my 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 business, my studio business. That's 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 also booming, and that's that's also uh, great creative work. And then one day we got uh, we got a telephone call. Um, yeah, we, we have a talent that needs to record something, and it turned on to be David, David Oyelo. And mm. just that day, our engineer was sick, so I had to jump in. Normally, I didn't do, I don't do engineering anymore. I'm always focused on the on the music part in our studio, but I had to jump in, and I did uh, I did a session with him, and we we start talking, and and one thing led to another. Mm. No, amazing. It was so interesting because I, I remember when I studied music at university in uh, Sheffield, there was this sort of feeling that music was very serious and the, the composition lecturers wanted you to write very sort of experimental and it felt very serious. Whereas when you're sort of 20, it's like you just want to write nice music that feels enjoyable and emotional. And so almost as a, my own act of rebellion, I just listened to film music and um, this was right at the start of when you were getting the new composers like Nils Fromm and Olaf Ronalds. I don't know if you're familiar mm. yeah. um, with those guys. So uh, would you almost say being a film composer is still part of your little rebellion of being trying to forced into like very serious organ music and <laughs> that sort of thing? Because <laughs> it sort of felt that way for me. Well, for me, it feels like yeah. a, a sort of homecoming, a sort of. And, and my style is mm. also a combination of all the things that I've done. Um, it's it's um, a, a feel that I'm in a good space now to to create to create music and and um, and of course if you if you're writing music you're not aware that you have like an own style at some points you know it's not uh, mm. <laughs> and then at some point I was. Uh, because we were also for this movie, we were also searching for the right tone of voice. So I wrote this really adventurous cue, 
And then David said, look, Peter, uh, I don't want Steven Spielberg. I want the Peter Bart sound. And I was, oh, that was like the first time mm. that I was aware that I had a certain sound. And now listening back, it it is it is there, uh, that, that sound that I have. Um, and where I always, and every project, uh, certainly film project that I'm doing, that I'm, uh, that I'm going back. No, yeah, amazing. I was uh, another question I love to ask composers is, um, obviously you're based in Brussels and it, it really felt like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or maybe longer. There was a time where it felt like if you wanted to have any hope of being a film composer, you had to move to Los Angeles and in Hollywood, mm. but, um, it really feels like that's changed. And I guess you're proof of that because you're in Europe and not America. So yeah. yeah. What's your experience of that being like staying in Europe and particularly Belgium? And yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Well, it's, of course, I, I had a feeling that, that the moment that David said, look, uh, uh, I want to work with you, that I had to go there. So immediately that weekend, I, I went to LA um, and I did a spotting session with, with, uh, with David and I stayed a week at, at his home. And then... Uh, a month after that, there was a second screening, and I felt that I still needed to dive in more in the in the film. So I went again, and and I did that on on my expenses because it's a sort of investment that you do in in time, and and um, and that really one thing, of course, you meet all the filmmakers and all the producers, and you build a, a, a relation of trust with them. I think that's that's important, but then afterwards, I I, I never saw David again in 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 real life. We always worked um, r- remote, and I planned my daytime a little bit um, to the LA time. So David always had like when he woke up, he had some cues, and when he went to sleep, he had some cues, and there were like points. And for me, it was the same when when I woke up. I always had like feedback on a cue that I've sent. Um, of course, my day was a little bit <laughs> a little bit shifted. I worked around mm-hmm. till four or five in the morning. Um, yeah. But I, I that was pre pre COVID. But for me, it was already like a home uh, <laughs> a home thing because I've built a studio at home. Because for the composing, I felt that. It helped um, being in a in a more little space and just concentrate on the composing. Besides, in my studio, I have a lot of instruments, and you're you're rather more focused on looking for sounds than than focusing on on the composition. So for that first part, I, I did a lot at home, and that and that was really cool because it's a family film, and and um, I have three daughters, but two little daughters still live uh, uh, with me and my wife. And it was also created in this family environment. Um, But I think if it's necessary that you have to go to LA, of course, because sometime in 2019, no, 18, I did a masterclass with Alan Marson uh, from Mix with the Masters. And I talked to him uh, also about this because this was a project that possibly uh, I, I was still doing the demos then. And and he said, "Look, you you can work for anywhere in in the world, but of course, if you if you're in LA, you're in the Beehive. Huh? It's it's mm. if you have a room at uh, rem- remote control, you're you're in you're in the center of the of where it happens." Um, yeah, but me and David, we worked perfectly. I, I, I used QDB. It's a, a, a database interface where I've put the cues on and then he, he replied and everything was centered in this, in this, uh, interface and that, that really worked well. Yeah. Remote control is just that, that sort of army of composers in LA and obviously so many composers, um, come out of that. Yeah. Um, I guess a more broad question: How how is Brussels these days as a sort of cultural, creative capital? Because I feel like people always talk about 
you know, Berlin and Paris and I guess particularly Berlin has this whole breed of, you know, people mixing classical and electronic music in recent years. But yeah, well, Berlin is, about... it's, yeah. yeah. At Berlin, I think Berlin has a perception of, of being very hip, but but there's a lot of things mm. happening in Brussels as well. There's a there's a great techno scene. There are, there are a lot of clubs. Um, we have a very nice club here in the center of Brussels, uh, Ancien Belgique, um, and they bring a lot of new uh, bands. So I hope now with the with the whole Brexit thing that we still can see all these young. Uh, British bands, because uh, if they're going to have trouble coming to Europe, I wonder if that's if we're going to see that in the in the programmation of these clubs. Um, of course, we we do have here in, in Brussels this uh, French and and Dutch scene, uh, who are kind of hmm. separated scenes. Um, I have like the Nuit des Botaniques. The Botanique is a very cool club, but it's it's a it's a French speaking club, and then uh, that's really um, strange. But I think people living on in Brussels they don't really mind. It's pretty uh, for culture yeah. here. We, we're very very sport in in culture. You can go to the opera. You can go to experimental theater. You can. It's yeah. Mm. So to all the people wanting to move to Berlin, you'd say, well, we have techno and all the culture as well. So. <laughs> no yeah, and, and it's a very cosmopolitan city. Yeah? It, there's a lot of nationalities here in, 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 in Brussels. We have a lot of green, um, a lot of rain as well, but that's no different than, <laughs> than London, I think. No, definitely not. Um, Oh, it was great you mentioned uh, the film Facades earlier. And I particularly wanted to ask, you got to work with um, the Echo Collective on that yep. film, didn't you? Who I recognise the name and, of course, remember they've worked with, you know, Johan Johansson and um, Dustin O'Halloran and Adam Wiltsy, I believe, at Wing Victory for the yeah. Sun. I'd love to hear about working with them and on that film. That must have been a great experience. Yeah, that's that's uh, Neil and, and Margaret. They're really really fantastic musicians and and they they really have a f also focus on the on on their music and what they want to do and um for facades i really wanted to like tell the inner story of the main character who's a woman alex and her mm. her struggle within so i did this demos um where I really searched like for the harmonics or strings and, and very long notes. I also bought my, my piano. And, uh, and then I reached out to Neil from uh, Echo Collective because I, I, I really find that they could really bring something to the score and, and, and they did. That, that was amazing to work uh, with them. Um, mm. Yeah, they, are they based... Because I'm just remembering Adam Wiltsey, who's worked with them from a wing victory for the Sun, and is he lives in Brussels, doesn't he? He's American. Yeah, they, 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 they're all based in Brussels, and uh, we went to Jet Studios, who, who is like a, a really old studio here in Brussels. Uh, but mm. but uh, there's a nice vibe. You have like, like this old big room, and and uh, yeah, no, amazing. Um, so I guess on that, um, was it amazing to have, obviously we're going to talk a lot about The Waterman, the American film you've worked on, but pr prior to that, you was, was it just Belgian projects you'd worked on? I'd love to hear about um, yeah. Yeah, how that's been, that contrast of Bel the Belgian film industry and then suddenly this you know huge budget uh, American film. Well, yeah. it's... it's um... I like I said, uh, it, I started working almost for free on some films, and uh, mm. but that was my my kind of, of film school and um, Traumland and then Figurant and Booster were, were these these first films that was with the director Daniel Lambeau. But I appreciate Daniel because he he doesn't wait uh, for money to come. If he has an idea and he finds a way to do it, he's he's just gonna do it. Um, 
he, he he went with a couple of iPhones to Iran and and just made a film about people dancing there. Uh, but that was before I met him. So he mm. needed a composer at one point, and and I got connected to an actor with him, and and I just started working, and that was that was really an, an, a nice collaboration. Um, and then Fasadas was the the first like. Uh, film for the Manson that, that I did, a, a big production company here in Belgium. But of course, the, mm. the budgets, yeah, I, I've, I've made music for commercials that, that paid more than, than, for a, than for a whole film. But I, um, I feel that making music for a film is is not um, is going to stay longer with you it it has a longer life and it's it's a sort of investment in your craft so i'm not in it really for the money at that at that time it's 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 um yeah it's really an an art and you're like an an artist and you're contributing to to the film to the vision of a of a, of a director and it's really a, a, a collaboration of, of art where if you make music for a brand, it's clear what you're doing. You're making music for a brand and, and, and you, get, you get paid for it. And of course, even there, I'm going to always try to make it beautiful and to make it my vision. But sometimes that's more difficult. But mm. if you get paid for it, it's, it's okay. You, you, you know, it's, it's really separation. It's... it's uh, they in French they say you have uh, you have tartin e vitrine. It's like uh, uh, tartin is is bread. It's music that you make for for living and and music that you want to put in uh, on a pedestal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so has that been one of the main contrasts between the Belgian industry and the American? Because of course the Waterman's executive produced by. Oprah Winfrey, so I'm yeah. guessing there wasn't a shortage of funds for the for the movie. Well, it's of, of course there, there was another composer involved before, so I guess they they had to pay him. So it wasn't that that it was a massive budget, and I really had to mm. earn my place also in the negotiations in the, in, the, in the beginning. And in the end, it was really a really cool budget to to work with. We were planned to to go to Budapest to record a sixty-piece uh, orchestra, but then uh, and then the mm. virus came, and then we had to we had to rearrange it and find another solution. Um, but what what strikes me um, more is is the the level of uh, professionalism that you have when you're working with people in in Hollywood. Everyone is really focused on on their craft and on their product and on their on the film, um, and and on all levels you have you have a a great level of professionalism. Where like in Belgium, it's more like um, camaraderie, you know, friends making movie. That's that. There's also a level of professionalism, but it's more like okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this and. We don't mind how if we if we're gonna find the money, we're just gonna do it. And it's it's uh, in 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 the US, it's it's really a structured thing, and and that's why they make great things. Also, I think in 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 in, in a fast manner. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you touched on the becoming involved in the project, the Waterman. Um, yeah, could you just talk us through that? I understand you and the film's director had some history. Together was it from the BBC Les Miserables series, or did you do some sort of sound work for that? No, well, it it was uh, it, it was really uh, I call it a fairy tale bit because it's it's so one day we get we get a call and and here in the studio and a talent needs to record something. So it turned out that that uh, that I was David uh, for uh, Penguin Books, Spot the Dark. Uh, to record an audiobook. Mm-hmm. And we had that call before, like a uh, half year before. Yeah, we have a talent and then we couldn't make it and turn out to be Adrian Brody. So I, tell, I told my staff, if we ever get a call like that again, we just say yes and we're going to arrange whatever happens. So we got uh, mm-hmm. we got this session with, with David and then 
I had to jump in re- uh, recording that, and 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 we talked about film and and about his work and and uh, and my ambition to do film music. And I I asked, can I send you some some music? And uh, he said, yeah, he's here's my email. So we we got in touch. Um, and then on IMDb, I saw that he was producing this movie and. Um, the, the tagline, a boy sets out to find um, a magical uh, eternal life in the forest to save his mom. That really struck with me because I, I lost my mom to cancer in, in 2008. And and I really mm. felt like, look, if <laughs> if ever I'm going to do one movie, it has to be this one because it, it really was like, yeah, a shock that, when I read that line, it was like, huh, that's, that's, that's like my story. So I contacted him and, and he sent me the script and I, I, I made a demo. Um, I read the script through, through and through like four or five times. And then, and flew, I, I put some scenes that I thought, yes, this, this is a scene that, that I hear some music with. So like a spotting session, but on, on script. And I started making demos for that. Um, outside of the work, because I, I remember we had a very busy studio time, but I did it uh, evenings and, and and crafted. I think I crafted for like three months on all the teams and and I had like all my teams in, in a good place. And, and a lot of those teams are still now in the, in the score. And then I sent it to him on a, mm. on a, on a web page and, um, and he kept sending me these emails that he really liked it, and and then he he couldn't stop listening. And then at one point, I said, "Look, is is this going to happen or not?" Because yeah, um, with that with that in mind, like what we talked before, I thought, "Yeah, if you have if you're going to do the Hollywood score, you have to move to LA." So, um, but then then he said, "Look, there's there's." Some changes. There's a there's a composer on the on the film, and uh, and sorry, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and that was uh, mm. that was a hard one to swallow. But you 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 continue. Yeah. And then a month later, they called. Like, look, can we can we buy the opening song because we really like it? And 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 I was like, okay, this is this is fine. Some additional music to to film, so I'm I'm very happy. And then nine months later, mm-hmm. uh, just before uh, World Soundtrack Awards here in Belgium, he he called me and uh, I said, "Can we talk?" And, and we had this talk, and and they kept coming back to my demo, and they put it on the film, and and he showed it to me, and um, he said, "Look, uh, I'm going to call you back on Monday and tell you <laughs> if you have the job or not." Uh, and then and then I and then I got in and said, "Look, I'm I'm coming over, and we're gonna watch this film together." All right. So is this the point where they parted ways with the original composer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For the film. No, oh, that's so interesting. Because um, I was going to mention, I don't know if you ever did. You ever get to meet John Murphy through the Les Miserables series? Because um, I've interviewed yeah. him, and no. there's so much to be learned from his good and bad experiences of um, film scoring. And I guess that's wonderful. You did get the role eventually, but I guess um, was, it must have been a bit of a mad rush. If it's nine months into the project, was there suddenly quite a big time pressure? Did you mention earlier you were sort of up till four or five in the morning working on this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is what it takes, you know. It's yeah. it's not something you can do in the... In, in a couple of hours, sometimes you're you're breaking your teeth on 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 a cue, and um, that's that's what it is. That's that's the job, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you mind talking us through the synopsis of the film and yeah, how you went about approaching the film, sort of musically and emotionally? And but I understand you were keen to and careful to be not too poignant with your music sometimes mm. yeah film music can slightly tug on the heartstrings a bit too heavily can't it would you yeah it's it's um so you, you have 
you have basically the the relation between uh, Gunnar and his and his mom, and and he he finds out they 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 kept it from him that that his mom was uh, is 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 deadly ill, and he discovers it mm-hmm. on, on a bottle of of uh, medicine, and then by chance he he travels to uh, the town and he and he hears this cool girl talking about the waterman and that, that the waterman has has a eternal life so that plants the mm-hmm. idea in his head like look i have to i have to find this this waterman because he's gonna save my mom and he um he he sets on this on on, on this journey um to save his mom, he takes his father's samurai sword uh, with him, and he contacts this girl. He gives her money, and and they're off to uh, in the woods. Um, and then you have the relationship with his father. That's a bit more difficult because his father was in the military and was a long time away, and um, it's um, they're a bit estranged. Um, but eventually, his 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 father is is going out to to going to rescue him. Um, but the the motherly bond is something that we took into the whole film, even when when he was separated with his mom and and he went into the forest. Um, me and David talked about it, and and David was like, "Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great to have like this?" motherly sound going on in into the forest and that was something um yeah not obvious because you you can do it with voices but that would be too on the nose so i i had this idea of of making like a a soundscapey uh synthesizer with some vocal samples uh so i got this uh great vocalist uh, who has also Nigerian roots who lives here in Belgium, Judith O'Connor. I got her to the, uh, to the studio and I, I recorded some long notes and some vocalizations and some African sounds uh, that she did. And then I put it all in, in, uh, in Pro Tools and started making these long stretch notes with it, uh, long delays, um, effects, spanning effects, uh, that I had a, a whole database of sounds that I could put in, in contact. And then in contact, it gives you the ability to, to play with it like it would be a, a, a synthesizer. So all my paths that mm-hmm. are linked and all the cues that are linked to the re- relationship between Gunnar and, and his mother are, 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 this, are this mother synth. similar idea for the waterman so I, I did a similar process for the for the waterman and there i started from all the all the takes that i asked uh, the assistant editor uh, that are non-dialogue from the from the waterman so uh, so i had these mm. these two scenes that i could use accordingly to to which scene i i, I wanted to to have and they're not only the voice takes because you 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 hear the voice takes through the through the score, but they, they're all like I even made really synth pads like that you wouldn't say it's it's a voice it's it's really like a a synth 
Um, no, yeah, that's uh, amazing. I mean, if you created one synth for the film, that could be the tagline in itself. But he created two synths, which is uh, in, uh, incredible. Was that always your plan to come up with some almost new instrument and this new voice for scoring well, the film, or did that happen quite spontaneously? It happened quite spontaneously, but I think it's also my background of of um, of sound and and going to film school and and studying sound. And I always worked, even in in my uh, own music. It's I always created these these sounds, um, and they they also in facades. There, there's a lot of all the percussive. Elements almost in facade. This is me tapping on the on the piano, um, and then recording mm. it, and then processing it, and then and then using it as as a, as an instrument. Um, it's it's really f- a fun thing to do, and it's 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 giving. Uh, it's feeling like the film itself in the in the in the score, and it it gives an it gives another layer to to the music um and of course i i also start with with some uh, with some samples uh some spitfire or 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 whatever samples in the beginning of my mock-up but then i'm gonna look okay this sound can't i can't i make it like real in some sort of way can't i Make it the texture different so that it has like this unique sound to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just going back to the um, point of you not wanting to be too poignant, yeah, I'd love to ask: Do you think one of the biggest challenges for film composers is showing sort of restraint and subtlety? Because I guess there's always that temptation to have big, triumphant French horns and full string sections, but sometimes it's more important to. Well, sometimes silence is more powerful than music in the films, mm-hmm. right? And that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I, I agree. Of course, it's it's it depends on on the movie, and and you have to follow the movie um, because it would be easy to say, yeah, some films it's wall to wall, and and and. Uh, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't work. It's too much music. But if 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 that's the movie, if, if it's like a Marvel movie and you have action all the time, why why not? But if it's a movie with a more mm-hmm. uh, dramatic or or a more emotional insight or or wide scenes, you, you know, you, you're not gonna do wall to wall in in Nomadland um, because yeah. the image is already there. You don't have to emphasize the the whiteness of, of of the image and I like I like both films you know I I, I really can um, enjoy an art house film or, or a popcorn uh, film it's it's um, but they're different they're different animals to to work with um, yes yeah, so true a film like Nomadland could have maybe even just one scene with Score and then a Marvel film, yeah. of course. Or yeah, even like Ammonite. How, how, have you seen Ammonite? It's it's um, there's so little music, but the music that's there, it's really effective. And and I had a similar thing with with Fasadas because in Fasadas I think we have only uh, twenty eight minutes of music. And when I started scoring that, I had I had a lot more music. I had music on the opening scene. I had everywhere music and. Through the conversations mm. with uh, with Kat Bills and Natalie Bastens, uh, uh, I, I got into their vision and and how they see it, and they just wanted some scenes just play out and and don't touch it. And and then when the music comes in, it's even more effective than than having all the time music. Yeah, I, no, I need to see Ammonite, and because I'm such a film music nerd, I'd be going to see it for Dustin O'Halloran and Volker Beltman more. More so than I'm guessing most people go to see Kate yeah, Winslet and Sharona, but um, listen first <laughs> to the soundtracks and then and then go see the movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do um, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, so and then yeah, fine. Last thing I guess on the Waterman, that's going to finally get its cinema release soon. I understand. 
Well, it's, it's getting its cinema release now in the in in the states. Um, mm. I, I don't know uh, when it will come in the, in the UK. I I think the latest thing was that it maybe this summer it's going to land on Netflix worldwide. Mm. Um, and I get the impression. That, would you say this is a film for everybody? Or it seems to have such universal themes, and yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a film that's aimed just at any age or whatever. No, yeah. it's, is, it's, that, is that your feeling of the film? It that's really my my feeling of the film. It's it's a film that that um, that you can watch with with the whole family. It's really a, a, a family thing. I rem- I remember when I was a kid, I. Uh, I went to see like ET with my family. That's that was also a family film. And not that we're making this comparison yeah. or, or, or claim to to be ET, but it's 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 that sort of family film where you afterwards you talk about it and you talk about what happened and and how that reflects to you to your family. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'll definitely be excited to see the film then. Um, and then, yeah, obviously with you. Having such a great studio, I'd love to ask you a bit about that. Maybe could we start with? Um, I understand you're a Cubase user. Cubase eleven, you're on, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I've been. Uh, I think at, I started at, at Cubase three somewhere long ago. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And when, then I so let... when would Cubase three have been? When would that oh. have been? Oh, I should have looked up, but I think that that will be in the nineties something. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and then uh, yeah. Why do you find Cubase is so good for a, a film composer like yourself? Well, what what I like about it, and and also the 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 setup that I that I have now is um, flexibility in in MIDI still. Also the um, the key command thing that you can uh, really quickly with an iPad have some uh, shortcuts to it. Um, the 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 um, note line. Um, how do you call it? Articulations that you can put per note. You can make a different uh, articulation uh, on modulation or expression. Um, and then, of course, you know we have to stay some sort of in 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 the MIDI world. Let, let's call it like that. If you're doing a mock-up. Um, mm. you have to do modifications all the time, so you you have to keep it um, in 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 MIDI, so you can make quickly some some corrections. And at some point, I print everything in uh, separate tracks and I import it uh, in in Pro Tools. Um, yeah. But I stay as long as possible in 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 Cubase. Um, and first, I started to do this this VSL thing, but I stopped doing that because it's sometimes some libraries really change between two, um, and I didn't want everything loaded. Also, I, I really created this Waterman template um, with all my strings, with all my my, my brass and woodwinds. And, and electronics happening and I had this like Waterman template that I started every cue with so that I w- had a, a consistent sound palette even with in in the in the more adventurous cues or or in the more intimate cues they're part of the same world in in some place no yeah that's amazing um I mean yeah I guess probably the first film composer I've spoken to who's found Cubase to be so good for film music. So I'm presuming you use, like, I think you mentioned Spitfire Audio. Do you find that all works really well within Cubase when you're in the very early stages of the music and that sort of thing? Well, the, the early stage is really about the idea and about, uh, and about putting the notes uh, in, of course. Eh? You, you, yeah. Um, that's that. So it, it for me, it starts at the piano. I have I have a baby grand here in, in my studio and it has like mm. this uh, silent mode on, but I, I don't listen it to silent mode, but I use that to put uh, uh, while I play. So while, while I'm sketching, I, it, I record the MIDI as well. I record audio and MIDI. 
So then I can quickly have a mm. cool idea or a cool melody. I can put it in, in a string or in whatever rather quickly. That's a, that's yeah, a, that's pretty. Yeah. And so have you always, always used Cubase? Because I was going to ask if you find how, how Cubase compares to other DAWs. Um, no, obviously I've, you use Pro Tools for mixing and yeah, Pro Tools is always for mixing and all the all the commercial work that we're doing here. We never we never leave uh, Pro Tools. Uh, when I played live, mm -hmm. it was obviously done um, uh, with with Ableton Live. Uh, for sometimes, yeah. when I started doing more at work, I, I went for some time to Logic, but then um, when Logic Ten came, actually, I, I moved back to Cubase. It, it didn't it, it didn't uh click with me um and then there were some new features on on Cubase and it felt like it's strange if you worked in a because of course you have to work in in any door that 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 you can work at but i started in cubase and then i went to logic and then i came back to cubase and it felt like sort of um yeah normality some like some things that you were ah okay this <laughs> I know this I know this so then I I stayed at Cubase after that um, and now yeah. for some com yeah yeah amazing and then yeah finally on Cubase is there any other just features you love that you'd love to give a shout out to in your work and that sort of thing well, there's the, there's, a, there's a lot of things eh? the st the st uh, making the stems, mm. uh, um, being able to work with with a, an image locator and a music locator that really uh, saves a lot of time um, because these are also two separate things. That's um, mm. yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, and then it goes without saying, for someone in your line of work, a good pair of speakers is obviously very important, I guess, especially when there's so many subtle harmonics and things that you really want to get right. Yeah, can you talk us through your speakers and why you, why you chose? You're on Genelec, I understand. I'm on Genelec, but I'm, I'm a bit um, the same thing. I, I, uh, my first job was at um, the first commercial television here in Belgium at VTM. And um, the first job was on, on like the, the final mixing before it goes on air. That was on a, a nice SSL and, and with Genelec uh, monitors. And also the first studios I worked in were all Genelec. So I, I learned to mix on, on, on Genelecs. So I tried several different things, but I always returned to, to these Genelecs because it's it feels right for me. Um, they color a bit, I think, but I don't. I don't mind that. I, I know it now, and so I, I can work with it. Um, mm. I do have so the, these barefoot ones also here uh, that I like. If I'm if I'm because they if you work on a low level, they're also really good in the basses. So you you don't lose the bass if you're working on low level. Because sometimes you can you can listen to the cue on, on big level, but if you're really gonna go into the notes, I like to to work on a on a on a lower level. Um, and they are the Genelics in my studio are in a in a five point one surround setup. Mm -hmm. um, I love putting it in quad when I work on on music. Just some outputs that I work in quad because then you're like a bit um surrounded by the sound but it's it's just for the being in the in in the music or in the queue or in the it's not a something i deliver because i i didn't mix the score yeah, here we mixed it at uh at galaxy but galaxy also works on on general x oh great no amazing um i just wanted to ask uh, with you talking about the synths you created and that sort of thing, and obviously all your work in sound, because we talked about a lot of digital products. Are you quite interested in sort of the world of analog and 
um, that kind of thing. Any gadgets like that at all? Yeah, it, it's um, obviously uh, the centerpiece in my studio is the piano where I work a lot, and and I don't mm. use it merely as a piano. Um, but then I have my dad's, you know, sixty here. And he he bought it. Mm-hmm. I think I was eight or something, and he bought it to play to be able to uh, rehearse with his uh, choir. And and he also took it to church <laughs> and played it with the Unit sixty yeah. uh, in church. But then it was in at home and and um, uh, being little, I I always plugged it in and with headphones, and I I could play hours with just like creating sounds and putting this this frequency envelope open and then I was really I was quiet for hours in the house when I when I got on the on on the Uno 60 so it's it's uh it's really special for me to have it still now here in in my studio and I um I I use it there's a lot of Uno 60 underneath also in the in in the score uh, I like to use it for really these these warm bases um mm. and it gives also an, an extra analog texture to to the sound um the another thing that I do have these roads uh here the stage piano that that I have a little setup a little euro rack set on on it and I use the euro rack mostly as a as an effects processing thing I'm not so interested mm. in creating sounds with it it's more for me uh, a modulation tool um, and then um, yeah I have, I have several MOOCs um, and really all to source uh, I like also the sound with it but it's the tuning is getting difficult to to stay in tune um, but it's yeah it's an amazing, it's amazing machine. And then several little tools. Yeah, this resonator garden, little thing with these metal things on, and and if you put a a, a Boeing um, against it, it's it's also a really nice sound. So I have a lot a lot of these little things laying around. And that's some sometimes uh, dangerous. Like I said before, I I prefer to to compose and focus on the notes at home and then come and play to my studio uh, afterwards and creating these sounds because you can lose yourself sometimes in all these little little toys yeah absolutely i guess also the roland juno that'd be a lot cheaper when you were younger than today where it's suddenly so sought yeah. after and you see some crazy prices for it yeah, but I, um, I'm never gonna gonna sell it. <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, gonna stay no, with me. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Oh, great. Well, finally, um, so yeah, what's next up? I understand is it lost luggage is your next? Yeah, project, that's um, that's also for Card uh, Build and Natalie Bastens, and it's um, it's actually about the uh, the uh, aftermath of the attacks in in Brussels in Zaventem in 2016. Mm. Uh, where there's a lot of lost luggage that's all uh, assembled in 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 one uh, big room, and uh, one cop is um, handling to bring all these uh, lost luggage back to the families or the or the survivors. Um, and it's really it's really a great script. So I'm looking forward because now I'm for the moment I'm sketching. I'm like looking for ideas and. Uh, trying out several things, and then once they got into edit, I'm gonna compose more. Uh, but that's a great because that's what I liked also about like the 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 Waterman, and uh, um, I did it also on on facades. Is that when you're creating music on script, they can like temp temp it with in the edit with with your own music, and then uh, of course there's temp music, but but. If you write in the, if you found the right tone on the script and it translates already to the image, you're you're already like one step ahead in the process. And uh, and it's all about story, you know. It's um, because 
Emma Needle, the, the, the scriptwriter of The Waterman, she, she had to do some rewritings. And she uh, she told me that she listened to the uh, to the demos that I make, and and they helped her to rewrite certain passage of the of the script. Um, so that's mm. that's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Do you know when we might get the release of the film and the soundtrack at all at this point? Or? The soundtrack is 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 released. It's on. Uh, oh, really? Uh, Great. Every, yeah, everywhere you want on on Apple, Spotify. It's a Lakeshore Records mm-hmm. that uh, that released it, and um, probably this summer it's going to be on Netflix. So, uh, yeah, no, watch out for that. Amazing. Um, yeah. So again, just wrapping up. Did you you mention how you love films like Ammonite, but also Marvel films? So is that kind of your ambition as a composer to do as many different films as possible? Would you like to do a Marvel film? I'm presuming you wouldn't turn that down. It doesn't sound like. No, of course not. But if it would be a Star Wars film, that would that would even be better, because uh, yeah. I'm I'm also the eight the eight year old boy with with the Star Wars disc in its in his hands. Of course, it's uh, uh, no. If if it's for what's important is the story. The the story has to re- resonate with me, and then and then it can be any form. I think it's it is. Uh, because we, yeah, storytelling is is a, a great contribution, I think, for for everyone. Absolutely, um, yeah. Because with Star Wars, I, I was worried when John Williams stopped, it would just be a case of composers being asked to copy and paste all of his famous themes. But then with the Mandalorian, it was great to see that Ludwig Göransson got to do some really great creative things with modular simps and all sorts. So, um, yeah, yeah you'd, you'd the, get my vote. <laughs> and the recorder, because that's, uh, he's great. And, and he also has his, uh, uh, you know, I pl- I played the recorder on the water burner, but I, I find it such a silly instrument that I didn't credit myself for it. <laughs> so, uh, and then a month after that, I saw Ludwig with a, with a recorder on a promo video for the Mandalorian. I said, ah, damn. <laughs> He's no, he's he's PR better than me. Than me. <laughs> oh no, he stole your thunder. Um, yeah, well, you get my vote. Score. And to... also, re- really like mm. his standard score. It's, uh... Yeah, no, that's absolutely amazing. Um, oh, you'd get my vote for a Star Wars film. I'd love to hear your creative take on it because it's it's so important to take these franchises in an interesting and fresh direction rather than just being nostalgia trips, right? And I think the music's such an important part. That, yeah, and I, agree with that. I think I have something uh, different to, to to tell also with with my music and 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 my style. Is I'm not like it never also uh, really interested me to like study the John Williams scores in in detail. I um I never felt attracted to that. I know in great yeah. lines what's going on. And for me, that's enough because I don't want to copy that. It's it's uh, it's like a grandmaster. You can learn some things from it, but you don't need to 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 copy them. You have to tell your own story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah. So the red carpet's still out. So, is there any uh, Belgian films you've worked on scores of yours you'd love for people to listen to after this at all? Or? Well, I think I think Fasadas is a is a, a, a good taste of of what my my music is, um, and it is a breathless score also. That's about a documentary. It's a it's a different style mm-hmm. thing, but it's a, it was nice to have some Indian influences in there. It's on a, a tabla player here in in, in my studio, and uh, that's also amazing energy happening. Um and and definitely check out the Waterman score. I would say it's uh, I'm I'm really mm. proud of the work that we've done. Yeah, and you mentioned some electronic music you released when you were younger. Is that is that in the public domain as well? Or? It's in the public domain, but I had this. Um, I think I was afraid of using my own name at the time, so it's it's under the name Peter Sonic. Uh, but when you mm-hmm. go to my site and 
on the music tab, it's it's under. You will find it uh, in there. Oh, I'm after that. Yeah, I've got the Spotify links uh, in there, and that's yeah. That I'm really also in in a, that's also part of my music. It's a bit more avant-garde, but it's it's also part of my of my DNA. No, I can absolutely imagine. Yeah. Um, all right, Peter. Thanks so much for your time. It's been wonderful to speak to you. And, Thank you. Yeah, I wish you a lovely day. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.